Good afternoon, it's the Trista. Trista for Senate Easy Gavin Prez. And this is the That's What's Up show. And today we are listening to a coast to coast AM show. George Norrie. Have a little coffee in the afternoon. And we're going to learn about Antarctica and uh, what happened to Hitler. And oh my god, oh my, what's wrong, Ducky? What's wrong? Huh? I got, um, I'm going to start this over again. I was listening to it like three quarters of the way through this and realized that I want to. Uh, this is called Tuesday, this is Tuesday, August 17, 2021, Alternative Health, Dark Fleet, and Antarctica. So we're going to, we're going to listen to hour three. Dr. Michael Sala discusses secret space programs in Antarctica, conducted in cooperation with ETs. And, uh, yeah, here we go. And we're listening to, uh, He's had their underground entrances to the base uh, under New Schwabenland there. And, and actually, when you look at the way in which... Uh, so that was the cover story, but the, but the real... Let me just start over. My duckies. Uh, invading my space, man. Skype, use Skype name George97313. Send George a text message anytime at 818-298-6521. From the gateway to the west, this is Coast to Coast AM with George Nori. And pharmacist Ben Fuchs with us from criticalhealthnews.com. That is the website to go to, the toll-free number to call for more information on what he talks about, one 949 We will be back in a moment with more calls from you with pharmacist Ben Fuchs. Oh, no, 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 no. See, no, Crane. No. Oh, sorry about that. I was reading. Oh, yes. Is okay. I have a subscription to it, but Buddy, you're a boy, yeah, make they a big kind of like a little, they, they like focus a, a little bit too much on like Sasquatch. And Premier Networks presents Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. 
Welcome back to Coast to Coast. Dr. Michael Sala, our next guest, Space Force, our Star Trek future. It's an amazing series of work. This is the book six of the Secret Space Program series from Dr. Sala, and we'll be back with Michael in a moment on Coast to Coast AM. Nielsen, the rating service, says more than 30 million Americans are now tuning into Newsmax television. That's amazing. It's one of the biggest media stories ever. Newsmax is available on all the major cable systems. Oh, my and God, if you they're advertising for Newsmax. That's disgusting. Yeah, they're a little bit too uh, conservative. Like I, I noticed they had like a lieutenant colonel on there saying that Marxism was among the elites and the globalists. Damn. Definitely right-wing. Right-wing idea. Right-wing bullshit. Corded. Newsmax is apt to your smartphone. No, 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 Subscription no, no. feed.com. Newsmax. It's Trump's Politics. Bullshit. He's the author of a number News of books, media. including his Under of the Exo. Revealed about uh, what it did. That set out on indications uh, of extraterrestrial life. Michael, welcome back to the program, my friend. Thank you, George. Glad to be back. Okay. And trust because. Like Samsung, LG, and more, simply go to your smart TV channel guide or download the free Newsmax app to your smartphone, too. Newsmax also... Watch Newsmax for breaking news anytime, anywhere. Forbes is for real people. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Dr. Michael Sala with us, pioneer in the development of exopolitics. He's the author of a number of books, including his latest, Space Force, Our Star Trek Future. He has been an assistant professor or researcher in residence at the School of International Service at the American University. He has a Ph.D. in government from the University of Queensland in Australia, founder of the Exopolitics Institute, which is a not-for-profit organization that analyzes the political implications of extraterrestrial life. Michael, welcome back to the program, my friend. Thank you, George. Glad to be back. I have not had a chance to get your reaction to the June 25th report that the government sent out on uh, unidentified aerial phenomena, but what's your thoughts on that? I was a little disappointed, honestly. Yes, I think we all were. We all were expecting a lot more to be revealed, uh, but uh, what it did say was still a step forward. I mean, it did acknowledge the reality of UFOs. It did say that these were something serious related to national security. And so it's laid the groundwork for uh, serious studies and investigations. But of course, for those of us that have been working in the field for several decades now, you know, we know there's so much to this field and that if you just wait for uh, official government documents being released, then uh, you're going to be waiting a long time to learn the truth. This book, Space Force, is number six in your Secret Space Program series. Tell me how you began to develop the entire series. Well, I just was uh, just fascinated uh, by the idea of Secret Space Programs. I mean, it was something that I had come across uh, very early on when I first got involved in the exopolitics field back in 2001. I mean, there were a number of people that talked about uh, secret space programs in the sense of uh, reverse-engineered spacecraft. Uh, Mark McCandlish, I mean, he was one of the presenters at the uh, 2001 Disclosure Project press conference, and uh, he described how he was 
given information about uh, a sighting of three flying saucers at a air show at uh, Edwards Air Force Base, and that one of his uh, peers actually went to this air show and was given a tour, and that uh, these were not uh, crashed craft. These were not craft that were being flight tested or anything. These were craft that were fully operational and basically uh, being showed for potential customers. So these had been built probably at the Plant 42 facility there at uh, Edwards Air Force Base, Palmdale, and these uh, were craft that were obviously being sold to someone for use in something. And, and customers at that level, we're talking about uh, organizations like uh, Air Force Space Command or the National Reconnaissance Office, uh, those kinds of potential customers, and, of course, the, the U.S. Navy. So it was something that really got me interested in the field, and then um, around 2015, I, I got to dive deeper into it and realized that you know, there's, there's a lot of people coming forward talking about secret space programs, so I started to look at these different testimonies and was able to start the process of putting together the big picture of what's going on. Now, the individual you mentioned, Mark McClendish, uh, passed away just a few months ago. There are a lot of people out there, Michael, that think it's very suspicious. What do you think? Yeah, it was very suspicious. By the way, I just want to mention that um, I think the U.S. government should apologize for killing all kinds of people who are um, just trying to tell the truth. They're truth tellers, and uh, there needs to be reparations. As your Senate governor and/or pres, I would be uh, looking into that. I mean, he passed away uh, just really weeks before uh, the uh, release of the uh, June 25 report. Yeah, and people that I spoke to that knew him said that he so showed no signs of depression or no sign that he would take his life. And so, you know, one has to ask, well, what was this done to silence someone who knew a little too much when uh, the new narrative being pushed was that uh, UFOs uh, are something that the U.S. hasn't built, but that either belong to a foreign adversary like Russia or China or could be someone else. And they're, they're, you know, they, they had another category in that re June 25 report referring to extraterrestrial. Well, Mark McCandlish was really saying that you know, they're our craft, that they've been built at Plant 42 and other facilities, and we have fleets of these things flying around. To really get a better handle on the Space Force, the secret Space Force, we need to go way back to the times of Nazi Germany, where they really were the first to have, you know, basically rockets. They had the V-2 rockets, and uh, they had the, the scientists that we ended up getting, and the Russians got them, the Soviets got them, under Operation Paperclip for us. But the Germans really had a program going, didn't they? Well, they did. They, they had two separate programs. Here's something that should be taught in all the schools. Uh, it's the hashtag new national curriculum. is uh, paper, Operation Paperclip, by the way, that is have that is censored on TikTok. People uh, said, you know, they can't, they can't, uh, they've been, they've been censored on, on TikTok for mentioning uh, Operation Paperclip, which every, and every school kid should know about this. 
and then may, uh, that would probably help. That we actually uh, kind of adopted, is a nice way to put it, a bunch of fucking Nazi scientists. Um, like the first NASA, the first head of NASA was a Nazi scientist. So, and, and that's, and they started the CIA too, which is basically the fucking Gestapo, bringing the Gestapo over here. And, uh, yeah, everybody should know about this. Like 1,500 of them. Instead of going to the trials at Nuremberg for war crimes, they were, uh, going to fucking prison for the rest of their lives or being executed for treason or whatever. Um... They were brought into the U.S. government. And that's why we have a big fucking problem today. With, uh, um, you know, basically the neo-Nazis. The Nazis won. The Nazis won. Hitler went to South America. That whole thing with, you know, being burned, committing suicides with Eva Braun. His mistress. Um was bullshit cover-up, cover-up story, because he escaped to South America, uh, and boys from Brazil, like, that could be an accompanying, I've never actually seen that myself, I need to, need, need to watch that, boys from Brazil, and, uh, about, uh, about what happens then, Brazil. They went to uh, different uh, countries in South America. It's going. One was this uh, rocket program that Werner von Braun and others were working on uh, that uh, led to the V1 and V2 rockets. And of course, the US and uh, the Soviet Union got their hands on uh, the scientists that were behind that and repatriated them to their different countries. Operation Paperclip here in the US and, and, and the Soviet Union had its own project and both of the uh, space programs of the Soviet Union and, and the US uh, they really benefited greatly from those German rocket scientists. But Germany also had a second program that was not under the control of the, the Luftwaffe because the V1, V2 rocket program that von Braun was was originally uh, uh, based out of Penemunde, and that was uh, a Luf run by the Luftwaffe. Uh, but then uh, the Nazi SS took over those operations. And so the Nazi SS, they had a second program, and that was uh, dealing with flying saucers where they were using uh, advanced electro-gravitic uh, propulsion technologies, torsion field technologies. They were experimenting with up to uh, 30 different prototype propulsion and spacecraft configurations that were all utilizing these breakthrough physics. So it was all done under the rubric of the Nazi SS and they had a lot of success and what was left at the end of the Second World War in terms of uh, the uh, project uh, Operation Lusty that the US launched where Operation Lusty, the acronym stands for Luftwaffe Science and Technology where you had uh, teams of scientists 
and uh, soldiers scouring Germany for all of this advanced tech to be brought back into the United States. And, I mean, they picked up the unsuccessful flying saucer craft, but the mm-hmm. successful ones uh, were sent down to Antarctica, either flown there or the components were, were put into uh, very large submarines and just shipped all the way down to Antarctica and South America, and they just continued their operations down there. There are some who believe, Michael, that Hitler escaped, and before he fled to South America, jumped on a submarine, got in one, and went to Antarctica. What do you think of that? Well, I don't know if he made it all the way to Antarctica. I think uh, he definitely got to South America, to Argentina, and I know that he spent uh, several decades in Argentina. I think he was seen, sighted in, in the 1960s in uh, Argentina, but certainly Hitler was someone that gave a lot of resources to the German Antarctica operation, and they built a lot of submarines that could transport enormous resources down there throughout the Second World War. And these psychics, by the way, to figure out what was going on in, in Antarctica, the, the Nazis. You know, that's been something that has been very, uh, uh, very much debated for decades now. But recent scientific studies show that, in, in fact, that there are underwater entrances into the interior of Antarctica. Just a recent study, just a, a couple of months ago, showed that there were rivers and lakes that uh, displayed tidal action, tidal movements, which meant that the rivers would drain out into the ocean and, and then at high tide they would fill up and then drain again at low tide. And so that's indicative that uh, you could actually have had something like a submarine go right up to the uh, entranceway for that river under the uh, surface of the ocean and navigate through Antarctica and uh, underground uh, mapping of Antarctica shows a very extensive network of rivers and lakes. So yes, now we know that it's very, very plausible that uh, the Antarctic Germans were able to use their submarines to navigate deep into the Antarctic interior under that two miles of ice and build these large fortresses. In fact, uh, you know, there's uh, evidence that they were actually guided to these fort- uh, to these uh, large underground caverns with- which they used as bases. We'll get more into that in a moment here, Michael. Your subtitle to your book, Space Force, is fascinating. Our Star Trek future. Tell me about that. Well, that was something that uh, emerged in a 2019 study uh, that was uh, convened by... Uh, at the time, it was uh, Air Force Space Command. It's now been renamed Space Force. But in 2019, uh, that there was a workshop held. Uh, I believe it was in March of 2019. And then they released the report. And in that report, uh, they outlined eight scenarios uh, in terms of what would happen in space 40 years ahead in time. So they were looking ahead in 2060, and they came up with eight scenarios, and they said that the optimal scenario, the one that they needed to strive for, was precisely that, a Star Trek future. And they, they, they identified it as one where uh, there were three criteria, like the uh, you, you had the economic, mm-hmm. uh, you, you had the political, military, and then you had the, the social 
elements. So it meant that uh, you had unity at a political level in terms of a multinational space alliance working together, kind of like Starfleet in the Star Trek series. Uh, you had uh, major corporations on board as well, building vast fleets of spacecraft and also uh, going deep into space to do things like mining and uh, space tourism and building bases and colonies all over uh, all over uh, space and also in the third uh, the third category in terms of the social you had large numbers of people that were willing to go into space to be the colonizers to be the miners to be the first generation of space tourists and and to create a new generation out in space. So they identified that as a Star Trek future. And this was a, a panel that was attended by uh, space experts uh, from the United States and different countries. NASA, of course, was there. The Air Force and the Navy were represented. And so that really got my attention because it meant that, you know, here's indisputable proof that the U.S. is in the midst of building a multinational alliance where they're trying to get corporations on board, they're trying to get uh, large numbers of people excited by the prospect to build a Star Trek future. There's an incredible individual who has passed on. His name is William Tompkins. That Some say he is one of the most incredible whistleblowers to step forward, that he understood ET technology, that we grabbed it from the Nazis. He stole with the Navy spies UFO plans and anti-gravity technology from the Nazis, passed it on the CEOs of American corporations. He worked for Northrop. He worked for Douglas yeah, so Aircraft. Where is, it? where is any of this uh, technology? I don't see any of this fucking technology used for the uh, public in the public's interest they're hoarding all this stu this uh, information away from us they stole nikola tesla's notebooks actually that was uh trump's uncle uncle trump he even talked about him as a mit uh professor professor uh who uh was called to try to interpret his, uh, tesla's notes and uh, Tesla, by the way, had made contact with uh, he'd made contact with uh, others, other beings, um, <clears throat> and Harp. Everybody should know about this. This should be, uh, you know, what what I'm talking about. It should be in the fucking national new hashtag new national curriculum. And uh, from Tesla's notes, uh, Harp was developed. And they've been doing all kinds of fucking experimentation, blowing holes into the ozone. And um, in fact, that's that is possibly, probably a uh, reason for the huge hole in the ozone that we saw um, in the past decade or so. And, uh, yeah, Tesla wanted free energy, and that's what we're going to get. We're going to go back to, we're going to, we're going to pick up where Tesla left off and, uh, where we left off Tesla, actually it was Carnegie, who, um, once Tesla indicated that there was going to be free energy for all, Carnegie, was it Carnegie? One of those other big industrialist 
robber barons, as they, as they were called. Modern day robber barons, by the way, that's what like Jeff Bezos and Ma Mark Zuckerberg, these, these fucking nerds, they don't deserve the fucking hundred billion dollars from exploiting Amazon workers at, during COVID. They don't deserve it. <clears throat> Should be um, legislated, taken away from them, and like through taxes, back taxes. They should, they should, he should be nailed for back taxes. Um, and uh, corporations shouldn't be able to uh, use loopholes. Uh, you know, we gotta close the loopholes. And actually, I posted this suggestion on um, Representative AOC's. Twitter or Facebook. Um, that's what we need to do. Tell me about William Tompkins. Yes, uh, absolutely. He was an incredible individual. I mean, he did work uh, for the U.S. Navy during the Second World War, and uh, documentation actually proves that, that he was involved in some covert operation uh, under this Admiral Rear Admiral Boulder that Bill Tompkins said was running this uh, program where they had uh, nearly 30 spies embedded in Nazi Germany in terms of their top aerospace companies, and they were reporting back on a six-monthly basis what they had seen, and they were describing work on multiple different flying saucer craft and also that the Germans were being helped by a species of extraterrestrials <laughs> that they described as reptilian. And so he described uh, the... Uh, I've heard this elsewhere as well, that the Nazis basically collaborated with the reptilians. Um, and that's probably why we have a... Yeah, there is a problem with the reptilians and uh, hybrids, too. Everybody should know about these. That uh, our government has been... Um, collaborating with the fucking Nazis and the fucking reptilians without our without our knowledge or permission and spending our fucking taxpayer dollars lining their pockets for these programs that uh, that don't benefit us sure as fuck don't benefit the American people that's for goddamn sure I mean we should uh, we should have like uh, or unlike fucking jet packs that'd be really cool I want to I wanna travel around in a little jetpack. <laughs> the briefings or the debriefings of these Navy spies, and his job was to put together briefing packets that he would take to different companies uh, such as uh, Northrop, such as uh, Lockheed, and of course Douglas Aircraft Company, and the top think tanks at the time, uh, MIT, Caltech, and so forth. And he would take these briefing packets and brief any scientists that uh, could help cast light on this kind of work. And so, you know, the, the, the Navy wanted to know whether or not it was feasible that these technologies were being built by Nazi Germany and whether the U.S. could build them. And so he described that. He also described how the Nazis had uh, built a base in Antarctica that the uh, that the Navy spies were revealing that there had been a base down there built that they were taking a lot of this advanced technology down there, and uh, he also, while he was at Douglas Aircraft Company, uh, described designing uh, these kilometre-long spacecraft 
with the help of these human-looking extraterrestrials that uh, he described as Nordics, but now I believe that they're probably that they were part of something of an organization called the Galactic Federation. Yeah, he claimed he worked with a female ET, right? That's right. He says that there were three of them at uh, Douglas Aircraft Company that he worked with. And, and he said that what he would do, and he, the other engineers would do, would, would work on these designs for these very long kilometer-long spacecraft or space carriers. And whenever they struck a problem, one of these uh, ETs would, like, mentally interact with them and, and help them out. And he said that that's how they did it, that they would put ideas into his head. And so this is the way in which these human-looking yeah, extraterrestrials would... would so from what uh, I've gathered from watching or listening to a lot of these, and I've done podcasts on a lot of this too. <clears throat> I have like three or four, actually four podcasts. And um, this one is my new one. I think there's, I have one listener. That must be, uh, that must be Kevin at DHS. Cease and desist, motherfucker. Suppressing my communications violating my free speech rights to find out your last name kevin at dhs and uh prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law of the law assist us with uh developing advanced technologies they wouldn't come in and show us ourselves they, they went by this idea that you know you, you could if you fed a person fish you know they'd be dependent on you for a lifetime but if you taught them how to fish then you know they, they can do their own they can feed themselves for a lifetime and so that was the approach i thought this was kind of a strange like biblical <clears throat> fucking uh, reference for him to use um but I think the point is that these Nordics that we're collaborating with, um, they're benevolent. They, uh, and they're, it's like Star Trek. You know, Star Trek was basically was based on how things really are. That's probably the appeal. It's, it's like, wow, truth. You know, the, uh, and it was very, you notice that the, the, um, cast of Star Trek was extremely, um, diverse. And, uh, the, the life and the beings that they encountered was also, you know, throughout the universe, you know, it's like a different planet, different race of beings out there for every episode of Star Trek, and that's exactly how it is in real, you know, real life, reality, whatever that is. These Nordic extraterrestrials, that they were teaching uh, American scientists and engineers how to design and build these spacecraft, and, you know, doing it in a way where the designers, the architects, uh, the scientists thought it was their own ideas, and, and that was fine with them. They didn't need credit for that. They just wanted to help uh, the U.S. build a secret space program, and Bill Tompkins said that that's, that's how it all began. And by, by the early 1980s, uh, that the U.S. Navy began deploying uh, the first of its eight space carrier battle groups. How credible do you find William Tompkins to be? I think he's very credible uh, because, one, he had a lot of documentation proving that he uh, had 
done the things that he says he'd done. You know, I mean, and he had I, no reason to lie about this, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't at all. And it's very interesting, George, because only uh, a week ago uh, I, I interviewed, along with uh, Dr. Robert Wood, I interviewed the son of uh, Bill Tompkins. This is Dean, Tom, uh, Dean Tompkins, his son. And for the first time, he told us uh, what he had been told by his father. And he said that he remembered his father talking about extraterrestrials and secret space programs from when he was very young. And he said that he and his older brother didn't believe it. Uh, but they said that because his father believed it and because their mother believed the father, uh, Bill Tompkins, that you know they were willing to listen to it. And then he says that at a certain point, um, uh, his older brother had a UFO encounter. And once he had that UFO encounter, then he became a believer too. But that was very, very reassuring for us that are working. We're working on the third volume of Bill Tompkins' uh, memoirs now, and we're, we're putting together all, all the interviews that he did, and, and that hopefully should be released in the next uh, three months. All right, we're going to come back in a moment with Dr. Michael Sala. His website, exopolitics.org, is uh, linked up at coasttocoastam.com. We're talking about book number... Exopolitics, what a cool word. <laughs> Exo as an exoskeleton, outer, outer. Exo <clears throat> in his secret space program series, Fascinating Read. We'll be back in a moment with Dr. Michael Salon, Coast to Coast AM. Now you can get show updates and connect with other Coast fans when you join the Coast to Coast AM Facebook page. Just go to Facebook.com. <laughs> calls with Michael next hour here on Coast to Coast, so make sure you're part of the program. So as we track ParanormalDate.com, pharmacist Ben Fuchs loved yeah, it. This coast to coast and uh, we're down to 219 people to hit 115,000 signed up members. That's it at ParanormalDate.com. And if you're over 60, Tom, you've got a little something. Well, guess what? Sometimes you just want to meet someone a bit more mature. And if that's the most fantastic people. Hi, I'm Tom. It's oh, well, um, nice to meet you. Baldate.com. Hero, what dot what? Who are you? I'm a paranormal magic. So all these fuckers are thrown at jail. We take off his for people. So we can persecute them. So it's not persecute, but prosecute. You're an alien. The guilty. It's been going along, you know, as we see from this program, a long time. Since the fucking Nazis and Operation Paperclip. I mean, this should be part of, um, this would be a big part of American uh, history. New national, hashtag new national curriculum. Um, the Nazi, the uh, Nazi infiltration of American society. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you, along with Dr. Michael Sala, as we're talking about his book six, Space Force, our Star Trek future, book six of his secret space program series. Michael, tell us about the Dark Fleet. What exactly is that? Well, that was the uh, German secret space program that was relocated from Nazi Germany to Antarctica. 
and what we know of it uh, comes from various reports. Uh, the, the earliest reports uh, concerned Operation High Jump, and uh, interestingly, uh, Bill Tompkins talked about that as well. Operation that was Admiral Byrd's, right? That's right. That that was actually a uh, a military expedition. It wasn't uh, a scientific expedition at all, uh, which is really. We should study Admiral Byrd in uh, in our hashtag New National Curriculum because he went down to Antarctica, and uh, <clears throat> by uh, various accounts, there was a conflict with these fucking other race of beings in Antarctica, and. Basically, Admiral Byrd had to hightail it out of there, man. It was, a huge, it was a huge conflict with the aliens there, basically, or the uh, whatever fuck you want to call them, beings. Uh, it is bizarre, the idea that you actually sent three uh, task forces down to Antarctica to conduct a, a, a mapping service. So that was the cover story. But the, but the real purpose was to converge on New Schwabenland, which is where uh, the Nazis had their underground entrances to the base uh, under New Schwabenland there. And, and actually, when you look at the way in which uh, Operation High Jump was set up, you had an east eastern uh, task force, you had a western task force, and you had a central task force. And, and they all converged. I mean, the Eastern, Eastern and Western task forces were, were naval fleets, and they converged um, at the end of Operation High Jump at uh, Neuschwabenland. And that is where the battle occurred. And, and we know uh, Admiral Byrd referred to a new enemy that could fly from pole to pole when, we, uh, when he uh, did a press conference uh, with, some, uh, with the Chilean press uh, we, we, we know uh, from uh, released KGB files uh, that came out uh, soon after the collapse of the Soviet <laughs> Union in the early 1990s. These uh, files uh, made their way into the uh, public and they referred to uh, the Soviet leader, Stalin, being briefed that uh, the Americans had suffered a defeat, that they had been attacked oh, by God. flying saucers down there. And so there were reports by oh, so uh, two... That, that's kind of cool, actually. Let's, let's hear stories of history when America got its ass beat for being a fucking bitch. I'm sure they, you know, they went there, they tried, they tried to kill them all, you know. And these fuckers are, like, way more advanced than us sailors, and so the Soviets knew this as well. So that was released in the early 90s. So yes, there's, there's multiple sources saying that there was a, a, a dark fleet, or the Germans had uh, used their flying saucer fleet that they had built uh, initially in Germany and then re relocated to Antarctica with the help of this reptilian species that uh, operated out of Antarctica uh, throughout uh, the, the, the latter part of the 1940s and into the 1950s. And in the 1950s, agreements were reached uh, with the U.S., with the Eisenhower administration. And, and rather than fighting 
against the Dark Fleet because there, there was initially an effort to fight against the Dark Fleet. Mm-hmm. But after the 1952 Washington flyover, which multiple sources say actually was the Dark Fleet, that these were not extraterrestrial vehicles that flew over Washington on successive weekends in July of 1952, but these actually were part of the Dark Fleet operating out of Antarctica. And that forced uh, the Truman and the Eisenhower administrations into negotiations, and eventually deals were, were struck. And, uh, and uh, yes, uh, the, the U.S. helped uh, expand the Dark Fleet presence in Antarctica, and in return, uh, the uh, U.S. was able to get assistance with uh, developing their own space program. And, but you believe the Dark Fleet has kind of pulled out now, right? Well, that's uh, very recent information that I started getting from a news source, a, a former French archaeologist, uh, Elena Danan. You trust the source? Well, you know, she's got a credible background, and that makes me very interested in her information. But what really got me uh, particularly excited by this information that the Dark Fleet had pulled out of, out of Antarctica was that uh, she had uh, a, a person who actually is stationed in Antarctica right now at McMurdo. He's an employee there. I mean, that's a base. Uh, that's a base down there, right? That's right. Yes, that's the main U.S. base down in Antarctica. And uh, he, I, I know his name. He sent me proof that he's actually working down there at, at McMurdo. Uh, he, he wants to keep his job, so he doesn't want his name his name identified. Uh, but he confirmed what uh, Elena Danan was saying that uh, there were there was a lot of movement of people in the midst of uh, the Antarctic winter, and she and he said that a lot of the people leaving Antarctica were German-speaking, and that was very puzzling to him. You know, where, where are these German-speaking people coming from, and where are they going? And he said that they were uh, leaving McMurdo Base uh, through the port, because McMurdo has the only year-round uh, port in Antarctica, because all plane travel stops. Uh, stops around February, March of every year and then resumes around November of every year. Uh, so the rest of the time, you know, from March up until October, the only way in and out of Antarctica is uh, through ship and the, and the ships all land at uh, McMurdo. And so he saw a lot of these German speakers leaving and he saw a lot of Chinese and a lot of Turks coming in, Chinese military personnel and Turkish personnel oh, entering Antarctica. And that, that was confirming her information that the Dark Fleet was leaving Antarctica and that they were turning over their facilities to the Chinese and the Turks, which is very interesting. Uh, but, yeah, there, there was that confirmation. So that got me very, very interested in her information because, uh, you know, here you have real-time intelligence uh, that she says she's getting from the Galactic Federation uh, that is being confirmed by boots on the ground, that there is someone there in Antarctica at McMurdo confirming that, yes, indeed, these German-speaking people are leaving and, and a lot of Chinese and Turks are coming in and something strange is happening down here. The head of Israel's uh, space security, former head, Chaim Eshed, has said some incredible things about extraterrestrials. 
He has, yes. I mean, he has come out and said that the Trump administration was working with the Galactic Federation. I mean, that was, those were the words he used, that this is a, a real um, uh, galactic uh, organization out there that was working with the Trump administration and that Trump was wanting to disclose the existence of this uh, galactic organization, but they said no, that humanity is not yet ready and that what we needed to do, we needed to do two things. He said, first, we needed to unify uh, at, the, at the political level, at the military and political level in terms of our space operations, and two, uh, people needed to have access to many more of the advanced technologies uh, that are part of space travel, and and that was those were the two kind of conditions that were necessary, and so this was Haim Eshed, the, the the former head of Israel's space uh, agency, uh, that he actually set up Israel's uh, space program or their their satellite program. It from he headed it from uh, 1981 to 2000. Well, he headed up the security division for it. So yeah, very very senior person, and so he was confirming a lot of the rumors, a lot of the stories that we've got from different insiders, a lot of the contactees over many decades now, that there was a Galactic Federation and that it was working with uh, the U.S. government and with uh, Trump in particular. So so that was very uh, interesting because it really did, I think, um, make it clear that right now there are things happening behind the scenes with this galactic oh, federation. Oh, he his parents when he be, he became president because um, <laughs> because um, according to the uh, <clears throat> divorce documents with Ivana Trump, T. Um, he reads Mein Kampf. The only th- the only book he reads is Mein Kampf, and it's by his bedside. It's in his like bedside stand, and uh, so yeah, it's playbook playbook of that. He's like channeling fucking Hitler, which is uh, and his da- his grand his dad. Not his gra- uh, I don't know about his granddad. I actually I do know. I th- like like one of his uncles was a um, basically a sex trafficker. Not basically, he had. He had several, um, <coughs> he ended up having several whorehouses and brothels. He had a brothels in Washington State, and, uh, this is on Wikipedia, by the way. Um, his family's illustrious history, haha. Um, of sex, of, of fucking, uh, pimps. And, uh, rioters, KKK, uh, fucking Klansmen. His dad was a fucking Klansman. And, uh, was arrested in 1927. It was in the New York Times. And when the New York Times asked him about it in, uh, 2016, he, 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 he lied and denied it. Which is what he does. Lie and deny. And, uh, said that that wasn't his dad, that wasn't his address, but it 
it was his dad, it was his fucking address, and then he, he tried to badger the, um, well, he succeeded. Dude, he's, if he's, you know, it's not stupid, you can't, you can't be, you can't be a fucking, you can't be a fucking moron and become president, it's just impossible, right? So, um, I mean, he's just a really good con man of the century. That's what we should call him, the con man of the century. Holy shit. He's still got 74 million people to vote for that cocksucker. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, Jesus. But... Yeah, 74 million people voted for him, despite knowing that he's a fraudster of the first degree, of the nth degree. Unbelievable. 26 sex, sex harassment charges and, and, and uh, was it 65%? 50, 55% of white women still voted for him, even though he's got... 26 fucking allegations of rape and sexual assault and including um I want to say six of them is it six or three three or six one of the two um, I think it's six actually against that that are charges of kidnapping and and um you know with with Jeff Jeffrey Epstein Okay, I, I shouldn't need to fucking say anything. All I have to do is... I'm gonna get a picture. I'm gonna get a picture of that fucking, like... <clears throat> Katie Johnson was her name. 12-year-old. Who was abducted. And... Uh, by Jeffrey Epstein. And... Uh, and, 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 and she was abducted and, and um, fucking trafficked and, and raped by Trump and Epstein. They would compete... They would compete to um, defile, be the first to defile these these young girl, these little girls. And uh, by the way, one of them was named Maria, and she was Puerto Rican. So <clears throat> that's why he has a hate on for all Puerto Ricans. By the way, <clears throat> I'm like 100% sure my my instincts tell me this is true. Hurricane Maria, remember that? She was Puerto Rican. Almost, uh, almost brought him down. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with our country that we would allow someone like this to run for office? That's a question. What the fuck is wrong with this country that we would allow someone like that to run for office? And that this is real-time intelligence. And so, Haim uh, Eshed was giving us some real-time intelligence of what was going on during the Trump administration. Um, and there are these other sources, like I mentioned, this French archaeologist, and, and there are others as well that I'm also um, starting to investigate and, and, and do my due diligence. But I'm finding that there's a lot of merit in a lot of the claims here, that uh, the Galactic Federation... <laughs> is a positive extraterrestrial organization largely but not exclusively um, populated by human-looking extraterrestrials that are working behind the scenes with the 
different space commands with the different uh, national space programs from around the world and coordinating them all or, or encouraging them all to coordinate. And, and of course, and all of this um, matches what we know with the development of the Artemis Accords because the Artemis Accords were developed by the Trump administration and the Artemis Accords are setting up a multinational space coalition uh, to enable uh, the U.S. to work with its major allies and all of the other nations that sign on to the Artemis Accords in setting up a this multinational space presence. And, and so it makes sense that this was created as a result of the prodding of the Galactic Federation. And the, and the Artemis Accords are, are doing wonderfully well. I mean, they, they started off with uh, eight nations. It's been expanded now to, I think it's uh, close to 13 nations. And it is uh, certainly uh, the predominant uh, multinational space organization that has been set up. Russia and China tried to set up their own multinational space alliance. Uh, they, they, they called it the, the, the Lunar uh, Research Station Initiative, uh, but that has failed to attract any major nations. And so this is, I think, uh, evidence that there is something happening behind the scenes with this Galactic Federation trying to nurture the different major nations who have space programs to unify and to collaborate with one another in terms of what they do in space. Michael, we just lost Paul Hellyer, the former Canadian defense minister, who was a staunch supporter of the investigation of UFOs and ETs. Yes, uh, he, he's, uh, he was one of the people that really brought credibility to the exopolitics field. Sure did. Uh, he, you know, he went way beyond, you know, UFOs are real and they need to be scientifically studied. I mean, he talked about the meetings. Uh, he talked about the agreements that were reached with extraterrestrials. So he was uh, really uh, a very credible person who had high-level access to senior generals. Um, he, he says that he was regularly briefed by a lieutenant general um, in the U.S. Air Force who, who confirmed a lot of these uh, stories about you know, the meetings uh, that took place during the Eisenhower administration, the agreements that were reached. Um, this, is, this is part of the dynamic that's going on, according to Michael Desarian, who's an unknown here in America is uh, very unknown, uh, but probably I think the most important thinker alive because he's read. He's an expert in uh, the world's mythologies as well as symbolism. Um, at the Irish origins of civilization, we should turn that into part of the curriculum and try to prove try to prove him wrong. and that there were multiple extraterrestrial species visiting and interacting with us. So I'm sure if he was still alive... But uh, um, one of his points, uh, Michael Tessarian's points, is that they have to have the truth in plain sight. It has to be hidden in plain sight. And they have to inform us, and if we, and if we do know, for example... 
that our government is uh, fucking having has kids in cages. Then uh, if you <clears throat> then if you deny it, that's a that's a bad uh, deny that that exists. You know you've been told, but whether it's through the movies, which is how they uh, that's it's how they get our consent. They they kind of like leak a little tiny bit of information. Like, the, they've stolen $21 trillion from us since, uh, taxpayers, since the early 2000s, the early noughties. And, uh, they've gotten away with it. No problem. Uh, you know, Dick Cheney told us, told us, like, the day before 911. Oh, oops, sorry, the Pentagon lost fucking $9 trillion or what. I mean, how many trillion dollars it was. And then, of course, and also the uh, SEC, which was in that building next to the Trade Center. The World, uh, what was it? Building, building 8, what's it called? Um, <clears throat> wasn't even touched by, by the uh, so-called attacks, terrorist attacks. Who's a terrorist? Is a fucking USG. I said it. USG are a bunch of fucking terrorists. Go ahead and quote me on that, motherfuckers. After Kevin stops cease and desist, <clears throat> suppressing my communication. We 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 need to know the truth. We demand to know the truth. I fucking demand to know the truth. And. Uh, and, uh, we deserve to know the truth. It's our fucking taxpayer money that they've been, uh, they've been fucking with for a cent centuries or whatever. Yeah. Break up the corporate media. And then we can maybe get some truth in this. Otherwise, this, uh, this country feels like there's concertina <clears throat> built up all around it. We're in a fucking concentration camp. That's what it feels like. Uh, for me, it's a gilded cage, of course. I have a buffer zone. Thank you, Universe and Mama G and 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 Rose and Uncle Clayton. I mean, I think he would be uh, one of the people that would be talking about this Galactic Federation working with uh, different national space programs and encouraging them to unify and to work together in space. Well, what is your take on these whistleblowers with incredible credibility, like, uh, you know, the security director of Israel Space Program, Chaim Eshen that we just talked about, William Tompkins that we've talked about. I mean, these are credible people. Uh, Tompkins, of course, isn't with us anymore. That's a huge loss. But uh, these are credible, were credible people talking about space programs with extraterrestrials. Well, that's right. And it's very interesting. I mean, they did it all uh, uh, fairly late in life. I mean, uh, of course, with uh, Bill Tompkins, he was in his 90s. He died at, at 94. And he only, he only went public um, in his early 90s. And that was only because he was actually given permission by uh, the admirals um, that were familiar with the secret space programs. And on his first book on the back cover, he actually says that there was an Admiral Webster who, who told him, you know, 
go out and publish it all, let, let people know. So he was given the blessing to do this, and I think uh, 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 Professor Eshed probably uh, was also given the go-ahead, the green light, to reveal this, because uh, you have a lot of people that work with in these secret space programs that want the truth to come out, that want humanity to release these 